we've been in a series called Moving from Good to Great. Moving from Good to Great, and we've been doing a study of the book of Joshua. And Joshua is such a powerful book here, and then we've been studying what, what that means. You know, moving from just good to spiritual Christian living. And so today's message is called When Victory Slips Through Our Fingertips. Have you been in a close game? And, uh, and, 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 and you're losing? And, and then at the last minute, you know, you pulled, you know, victory out of the jaws of defeat. Man, those are some fun games to be at. You know, it's not going well, but then you have a comeback, and at the end, you find victory, even when you didn't look like you were going to get it. I remember in 1995, someone blessed me and my friend, I was in high school, to go to a Michigan football game. It's the first Michigan football game I ever went to in person. 1995, I went to the very first game of the season. In fact, it was the first football, college football game for the whole, you know, for the whole country. Uh, it was called the Pig Skin Classic. Michigan was playing a team from Virginia, and uh, we just thought, man, we're going there. We'll take care of business. Well, we went. This was Lloyd Carr, head coach, very first game as a head coach. And so my friend and I, we went to the game, and, uh, and things were not going well for Michigan. You know, uh, we got to the fourth quarter, and we're losing 17 nothing. It was a bad game. Man, the people were leaving. People were walking out. My friend and I would look at each other and say, we're going to stay because it's our first game we've never been to. And uh, we wanted to see at least a touchdown. We're like, man, get a touchdown, let the band play, hail to the victors, and it'd be a great moment. And uh, we said, hey, we're just hoping for a touchdown. That's how the fourth quarter happened. And, and sure enough, right in the beginning of that fourth quarter, we scored a touchdown. And oh man, yes, I right, finally a little life in this game. All right? and, and so we, we went for two, you know, and we missed. So it's 17 to 6. Very quickly, we get the ball back again. And we scored another touchdown. And it's now 17 to 12. We missed the two. We don't went for two, didn't make it. And so now it's 17 to 12. And, and, and we're like, man, now we got a game. Now things are happening, you know. And it wasn't pretty, but we had a chance. And, and sure enough, we get the ball back. And we march down the field with two minutes left in the game. We go all the way down to the 20-yard line. And at this point, we were running out of time, running out of timeouts. And so the, the quarterback says, hey, I'm just going to go for four strike to the end zone. And hopefully, I'll make it. You know, so the first one, first down, total miss. Second down, total miss. Third down, total miss. We're down to five seconds left. We got one shot at it. Fourth down, 20 yards left. We're all standing, holding. I said, come on, let's make this happen. You know, he hikes the ball, the quarterback. He gets back there. He tosses the ball deep into the end zone. Our guy catches it right there in the corner, but we're all wondering, is he inbound? It looked like he, he caught it, but he might have been out of bound. We didn't have the video screen. There's nothing to look at. We're all, all eyes was on the referee. And man, this referee milk it for all it was worth. Because I watched, the, and listen, it's exactly the way I remembered it. Because I watched the highlights last night. I thought, oh, man, because I relived that moment. You know, and, and so true enough, that referee, he looked down. He caught the ball. He out of bound. Referee looked like this. <laughs> Touchdown. 
I mean, 18 to 17, game over, and me and my friend, we were just hugging. I mean, we were hugging people we did not know. I mean, it was an awesome, awesome occasion. Man, we match victory in the jaws of defeat. Now, the flip side of the coin. How many times have we seen where we have seen or where we've snatched defeat out of the jaws of victory? If you're a Lions fan, you know what I'm talking about. How many times have we seen that? You know, we had the game. We won. It should have been ours. And somehow, the Lions, that they are really good at, found a way to lose the game. Well, today, I want to talk about when victory slips through our fingertips. And here's what I believe. I believe that God is leading us in a very definite direction in our church. And the direction in which he is leading us, here it is, the direction he's leading you and me is total victory. Total victory in our lives and total victory in our church. However, the story we see today is an unfortunate tragedy. It's a tragedy of partial victory. Partial victory. You know, some people say, you know, I won partially. But a partial victory, and honestly, it's a total defeat. Like Ricky Bobby used to say. Some of you know who Ricky Bobby is. If you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just trust me, it's a famous redneck, okay? If you ain't first, you're last. And listen, Jesus, God, he requires everything. With him, it's all or nothing. Our God, who wants every fiber, God wants every inch, every hair on our head, every part of our being, completely and total surrendered to him. And when we can do that, when we completely give it all to him, to all or nothing, then we can experience the victory that victory that God has promised to us in his word. We can have freedom like no other. And that's what the story, and that's what the book of Joshua is all about. It's moving from good, let us just going through the motions, to great. Spiritual victory. And God wants that for all of us. He desires you and me to live victorious, Christian life. We get to the chapter 17, and we see the story here of the tragedy of partial victory. You know, they were just kind of going through the motions again. They got to the promised land. They've seen God's victory over and over and over again. They've seen God divide the Jordan River. They've seen, they've seen God take down the walls of Jericho. They saw and witnessed that God stopped the sun in the middle of the day for 24 hours. They've seen the power of God over and over and over again. And here we are in chapter 17, because I think this is a picture of all of us. We, we, we get a spiritual high. We see God doing things over and over and over again. And then at some point in our journey with God, we plateaued. We find a plateau in the middle of the promised land here. We kind of settle. We kind of sit back. We just kind of go through the motions again, just like we, like they used to do in the wilderness days. Just going through the motions. 
And so we pick up the story here in Joshua chapter 17. It's a group of, it's a, a specific tribe, the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh was one of the sons of Joseph. And, and, and so the, the, the family line of Manasseh, this is, this is the group of people. And, and they go to Joshua and say, hey, Joshua, you know, we need more. We need more land. We need more buildings. We need more parking spaces. <laughs> you know, we, hey, we're out of space here. You know, we, we need God to give us more. And what we're going to see in the story is that Joshua said, God has given everything already. You have failed to take advantage and to conquer what God has already given to you. He's already given it to your possession. You have gotten to a place where you plateaued in your Christian life. We pick up the story here in Joshua chapter 17, verse number 12. The Manasseh, people of Manasseh, the tribes of Manasseh, they were not able to occupy these towns. For the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. Now remember, the Canaanites were the enemies of God. God, God had told Moses, Moses would come you know, in Deuteronomy, he was telling the people of Israel, listen, when you take the promised land, you got to drive out the inhabitants. You got to get rid of the Canaanites. Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, again, God told Joshua, hey, when you go and cross over, you got to get rid of the Canaanites. None of them belongs. And, and, and so here we are in chapter 17. The Canaanites still live there. Verse number 13. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor. But they did not drive them out completely. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, why have you given us only one allotment and, and one portion for an inheritance. Now, we, we, we should have more. We said, we are numerous people. The Lord has blessed us abundantly. They were saying, hey, we, 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 we've got a good thing going on here. We've done great things. Uh, why doesn't God give us more? And Joshua said in verse 15, he said, if you are so numerous, and if the hill country of, of, of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land for yourselves. They're in the land of Perizzites and the Rephites. But Joshua, Joshua said, listen, you got room. You've always had room. You know, you still got property left. You just have to go claim it. You got the forest there. You got claim, you got clear the trees. And you can clear the trees as far as you can go. And, and, and then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, gotta get rid of these people. Look at verse number 16. He said, the hill country, the people of Joseph, they said, well, the hill country's not enough. He said, all the Canaanites who live in a plain have chariots fitted with iron. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the Canaanites have discovered iron. They were master tradesmen of iron work. Right, and, and so they're kind of intimidated by the Canaanites because they've got better weapons. Right, and so in verse 17, Joseph said 
But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph, he said, you are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Got to clear it. And his father's limits will be yours. And though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, and though they are strong, and you guys can drive them out. You have the power to do it. Because God is on your side. Now, back in chapter number 13, we start to see a, a story in Joshua. You know, Joshua starts to, you know, in the first 12, 13 chapters, it's really exciting, all the stories. And in chapter 13, you know, they're starting to claim the land, and they start to parcel out the land. And so from chapter 13 to the end of Joshua, there's a lot of, uh, you know, here's your territories, here's how it's marked, here, here's what's going. And all the tribes are going out to their land, and they are told to go to those spaces, to the land that they, that they were parceled out, and to finish the job, to go there and clear it out, to get rid of the enemies. You know, and it's very similar to our American history, the Homestead Act. You know, where it's a great Western expansion in the 1800s, where they say, hey, if you go out west, you cultivate a land, it's yours to keep. And that's basically what we see happening here. Joshua said, here's your land. You just go out there and develop it. And the more you develop it, the more you get rid of people that don't belong there, the more that that land becomes yours. And, and, and so the, 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 the tribe of Manasseh, they just kind of stopped short. They fell short of what God wants us to do, of what God wanted them to have. They fell short. You see, for us, it's so easy for us to fall short of what God wants us to have. I said this a while back, that the, one of the great tragedies of the book of Joshua is that God had promised them 300,000 acres of land. 300,000. It was theirs to take. And God said, wherever your, wherever your feet takes you, the land becomes yours. And at the end of Joshua, the, the tribes, all, the all 12 tribes only claim 50,000 acres. 50,000. They fell short completely. They never quite claim all of the promised land like they should. And here the, the, the tribe of Manasseh had fell short. Now remember, the book of Joshua is God's blueprint for victory. Victory in our everyday life, in your life and my life. Victory in our family. Victory in our relationship. Victory in our, in our church. Victory in our careers. Victory in all these things. And, 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 and the book of Joshua talks about all these things, about how we can live the victorious Christian life. And, and in fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's God's plan for all of us. That's God's that God norm for you and for me. This is what Joshua was telling the people that day. He said, not that God needs to give you more. You need to possess what God has already given you. You need to claim it. Clear off the rubbish. Clear off the trees. Get rid of the people. And you can have what God has already promised you. Well, unfortunately, we see that they had a partial victory. It's a tragedy when God's people, when God's church, settles on partial 
victory. Remember, partial victory means total defeat. Maybe you've conquered an area in your life. You say, man, I've got things, good things going on in this one area in my life, but maybe there's another area. Maybe there's another area that you have not quite given to God. And, and yet you feel defeated. You say, I feel like I got a lot of things going on in a good way, but there's just one area in my life that I, I just can't get rid of. I have not been able to subject it to Jesus Christ. And so I hope today we can learn some things from this story, how we don't let victory slip through our fingertips, but that we can see victory in our life. Because that's what God wants. Listen, my friend, God wants you to be victorious. He doesn't want you to just live in good. He wants you to be great in Christ. Three thoughts here in this story. Number one, if you're taking notes, the failure to overcome sin hindered them from achieving victory. The failure to overcome sin hindered them from achieving victory. We see that their sin had to do with their relationship with the culture around them. The Bible says that we're to be light of the world. Right? The Bible says that we're to be salt of the earth. That we're not to be conformed to our culture, but rather we are to be transformed and to be a witness to our culture that is in need of Jesus. And in the, in the, in the, tribe, the tribe of Manasseh, the sin is that they compromised with their culture. They allowed some of the Canaanites to live among them as slaves. They thought to themselves, you know, we know that God should conquer the people. We know that God said that we should drive out the people. But these are people that got something to offer. They know how to work with iron. They've got skill sets. And so what if instead of getting rid of them, what if we make them slaves? What if we make them work for us? And so they took the captive of Canaan and made them their slaves. Now let them stay around. They disobeyed the commands of God. You see, that's exactly what we do with sin in our life. Many times, we allow sin to stay in our life because we like that particular sin, right? It's a pet sin. You no, know, you know what? It's not, this little sin is not affecting nobody. It's not affecting, it's not really affecting me. It's not affecting, it's not hurting nobody. You know, I like this sin. I know I'm supposed to get rid of it, but it's not bothering me. I can handle this. I've got control of this. I've got control of my own sin. And we begin to think that way. It, it could be anything. It could be a wrong attitude. It could be a, an attitude against your boss. It could be a, a, a rebellion teenager. Maybe rebel against your parents. You know, maybe, maybe it's a, an attitude at work. You know, maybe we're lazy. Maybe we're apathetic. You know, we, we, we're just kind of, you know, content with our life. We're lukewarm. You just say, you know, I'm just going to allow this sin to stay in my life. And so you don't drive it out. You compromise. You make some compromises that are spiritually unhealthy for you. Yet God said, we'll never change the world unless we overcome the world. And we overcome the world, not by compromising with the world, but by driving out any sin in our life. No matter how precious it might be, we drive it out. We don't tolerate it. 
We get rid of sin in our lives. And so sin in our lives hinders us from complete victory that we can have in Christ. You could be a Christian here today and still holding on to some sin in the past. And they're holding you back from total victory. Here's the second thought. The contentment in the story, the contentment with the status quo hindered progress. Uh, in, in verse number 14, see on your screen, it's a, the, 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 the people of Joseph it said to Jasper, why have you given us only one allotment, or one portion for an inheritance? And again, they were mentioning the fact that they had more. But they had settled. You know, they said, we are numerous people. The Lord has blessed, past tense. He had blessed us abundantly. They were looking back at the past. And they would say, oh, look how God has blessed me. Look what God has done for me. In other words, they were self-satisfied with the blessing of God of the past. And they were saying, we're just settle for what we have. And again, they plateaued. They plateaued. When, when, when you become satisfied, listen, when you become satisfied with your spiritual life, you're in spiritual trouble. When you become satisfied, when you stop taking steps of faith, when you're just kind of going through the motions, you're in spiritual trouble. When you just look at what God has done in, the, in, your, in your life in the past, when, when you look at the prayers that he answered in the past, when you look at the things that he's done in the past, the accomplishment you've made in the past, and then you become satisfied with what God has done, God cannot give you total victory. But here they are. They got their one allotment, their one portion of land, and, and, they, and, and, and they know that there was more to be done. But, you know, sometimes we take the path to least resistance, don't we? Now, we want the shortcut. The easy way. And this is a classic, a classic example of that. You say, oh man, you know, there's more, but it, it, it work. More risk. I don't want to take more risk. I'm tired of taking risk. We've been risking for the last, you know, for the last five years in the in the in the promised land. And, and, and okay. I, I, I want to just kind of relax now in Christ. I want to stop taking risks. But because of that, they couldn't see what God had already given them. They miss out. This is a satisfaction that sabotages victory. You know, if there's a time in our lives, if you take a note, if there's a time in our lives when we were closer to God than we are today, then you backslidden. Now, some of us need to wake up to that. If there was a time where you were closer to God than you are today, you're back to it. I'm not saying that you rebelled like, like you know, you jump off the deep end. But you have fallen in the, you have backslidden in the status quo mindset. Just checking off the boxes. I do my church things. I read my Bible. Check off, check off. 
you know, and uh, you know, uh, uh, which are which are backslidden, which are kind of going through the motions here, and that's exactly what happened here. In the promised land, they got plateaued. Even as Christians, if we're not careful, we can get plateaued. We gotta watch out for self-satisfaction. By the way, when a church becomes satisfied, it will die. When a church, uh, when a church says, "Hey, we finally made it," when a church says, "Hey, you know, we used to be portable, but now we have a building of our own." And for for those who haven't been around long enough, we were portable for nine and a half years. And some of you remember that. Some of you are like, "Oh, I missed that." Talk on it. We would have loved to have all these people back then to help us carry the load. You know, my back still hurts, you know. <laughs> Tom, your back okay? No, it's still okay. All right, but that's okay. But we got here. It's so easy to say, hey, we made it. We took a lot of risk, a lot of faith up to get here. It's so easy for churches like this to get to a place where, but sit back, stop taking risks, stop taking, stop taking steps of faith for God. Listen, my friend, God has more for us here at Lake Point. But they require for us to step out on faith, to keep stepping out, to keep stepping out, not to be satisfied with the, with the status quo. Here's the third thought. As we wrap up this message today, it is necessary, essential, it's important to follow God's plan, God's strategy for achieving complete, total victory in our lives. It is absolutely important for us to follow God's plan if we want total victory. Joshua told him what to do in verses 17 and 18. He said, you guys are numerous. You're very powerful. You don't even realize how powerful you are. You've forgotten that the power of God is still with you. He said, you will not only have one allotment. Don't just settle for one. Don't settle for less. He said, but the forest and hill country as well, you, you have that. You've always had that. You just have to go claim it. He said, clear it. And the farthest limits will be yours. Although the Canaanites have chariot fitted with iron, they've got better weapons. And though they're strong, Hey, you could drive them out. Joshua said, you've got, to, you've got to take care of business. You've got, you've got some things you've got to do in your life as a tribe to see total victory. Just right now, you're just letting victory slip through your fingertips. You're, you're just settling. And Joshua gave them two strategies, and it relates to us here today. Strategy number one. Get rid of the simple things that clutter your life. Simple things. Joshua said, hey, you got to clear the forest. You got to get rid of the trees. You got to clear out the rubbish. Because you can't even see what you got. Because the trees are in the way. You got to clear the land. You got to get rid of the things in your life that clutter. See, I call clearing out the simple things that clutter our lives. And I say simple things, by the way. I say simple things. 
the trees that keep them from seeing Jesus. You know, those simple things that we forget, that, that we got in our lives, those small stuff, the small stuff that gets in the way of the important stuff. That's what I'm talking about, the important thing. What's the important thing? To follow God, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. And yet, sometimes we allow the other stuff to get in the way. Simple things. It might be, hey, I, I know I'm supposed to read God's word, but how, God, I don't know how I'm going to have time to read God's word. I'm so busy. You know, between work, you know, and, and, and my working out, and, and, and binge watching my favorite show every night. You know, I, I barely have time for God. You know, I don't know. You, know, hey, you, got, you got to clear out the simple things. You got to reprioritize for the things that matter most. Joshua said, hey, listen, you guys got to clear the trees. You got to clear the forest. There's more for you. But you allow some stuff to clutter your life. You got to clear it out. Get rid of the simple things. What are the simple things in your life that are keeping you from serving Jesus? What, does, does that, what, what is that for you? What, does, what are those simple things in your life that's holding you back? Amen. Listen, again, it may not be simple things. Simple things. It's not important. It's just stuff. What is that for you? Got to get rid of it. Joshua said, got to get rid of it. Yeah, clear out the rubbish. Here's the second thing. The second strategy for us, if we want total victory, you got to get rid of the sinful things. You got to get rid of the simple things that corrupt your life. You got to get rid of the sinful things that corrupt your life. So you got to get rid of the simple things that clutter your life. Now you got to get rid of the simple things that Corrupt your life. God said, you got to clean out the Canaanites. Stop compromising. Stop playing with them. Get rid of them. Clear them out. Get rid of the chariots of irons. Don't let fear of that get in the way. Get rid of it. Stand up. Be a man of character. Be a woman of character. A person of integrity. And stand up for truth. And get rid of the sinful things in our lives that corrupt us. Simple things. What's in your life today that might be simple? What's corrupting your life? Is it unfaithfulness to your marriage? Is it lust? Is it pride? Is it bitterness, an unforgiven spirit? What's in your life right now that's sinful, that's corrupting your life and it's making your life toxic because of the sin in your life? You won't achieve, as a Christian, total victory until you clean house. That's what Joshua was trying to tell these guys. He said, listen, total victory is yours. You got to get rid of the simple things. You got to get rid of the simple things. Some of us here today are going to walk out of here. We got some trees that need to be chopped down. You got to chop down some trees. Others of you might need to, hey, I got to clean out some of the sinful things in my life. I got to clean out. I got to let go of that pet sin that I've allowed in my life and realize that it's causing more damage 
more harm in my life. The more you hold on to those things, the more that Satan, Satan, he wants to put a stronghold in your life. But when you have God on your side, no weapons formed against you will stand. If the power of God can overcome the power of Satan. We'll close with that last verse. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It, it, everything we talk about in Joshua translates here in Hebrews chapter 12. It talks about a race. That Christian life is a race that we run. And we're all running this race. How are you running this race? And the writer of Hebrews said, this is how you run the race. If you want to run the race of life well, if you want to run the life, you know, the, the race of life in a victorious Christian way, here it is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he said, we got to throw off everything that hinders the simple things. The simple things. You know, when you run a race, you don't run a race in your blue jeans and your heavy coat. You get rid of the, the you streamline. You get rid of the stuff that don't matter so that you can run the race well. The simple things. You got to throw off everything that hinders. And then he said, in the sin that's so easily entangled. We got to get rid of the simple things. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Keeping our eyes, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the perfecter and finisher of our faith. Keeping our eyes on him. And my friend, we can be victorious. We can be victorious. We can run the race well. You gotta ask yourself, what are the simple things that I need to get rid of? And what are the simple things that I need to clean out? My last point is this. I've said it in the first couple of weeks of this series. As a Christian, you and I don't fight for victory, because the victory has already been won, because of Jesus Christ. You and I, we fight from victory. We fight from him. There's a victory for every one of us today, and the victory is yours. And if you're here today, you don't know Jesus, it's your Lord and Savior. Listen, he died on the cross for you. He was buried in the grave for you. And then three days later, he rose victoriously from the grave so that you and I could live a victorious Christian life. We have to come to him. We have to give him our junk, give him our sins, and say, Lord, I am yours. Come into my life. If you've never done that, you do that today. You do that right where you're at. You ask Jesus to come in your life, to forgive you of your sins, and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And if you're here today, you've been saved, You've asked Jesus to Christ and live in your life, but maybe you're here today. You're plateaued. You're plateaued. You've seen some, you've seen some things. God has done some stuff, but you're plateaued. Today, let's get back out. Let's keep climbing mountains. Let's keep climbing land. Let's win. Hold a victory in Jesus Christ. Oh, God, we ask you to help us today. Help us, oh, Holy Spirit, work in our lives Show us the areas that we need to clean out. Help us. Help us, God, to get rid of the simple things, the clutter, the smart stuff that gets in the way of the big things, the, the important things that need to get done in our lives. And God, 
I ask you help us to get rid of the sinful things. Get rid of the sinful things in our lives. Whatever that sin is, we'll give it to you. And so God, we ask you help us. Maybe there's someone here today that don't know you. They don't have a personal relationship with you. God, I pray that today they can learn that they can know that there is victory available for each and every one of us. And it's not because of what we've done, but because of what you did for us on the cross. With heads bowed and eyes closed, this God, I never asked Jesus in my life. I've, I've been trying to live the life on my own. I've been trying to figure this out. But today, I want to be a follower of Christ. Father, said, all we have to do is cry out in the name of Jesus, right where you're at. Realize that you're a sinner. Realize that he died for you. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And he's waiting for you. And right where you're sitting, you can pray to a holy God that's listening. You can pray a prayer like this. It's, God, I want to get saved. Here's the prayer. Dear God, I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior. Take me to heaven when I die. I want to start living the victorious Christian life. And it starts today. But touch my eye closed as a Scott. I, I pray that prayer and I ask Jesus today. I just pray that prayer. And I've never prayed a prayer like that before. But today I ask Jesus to come into my life. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to now call you out. I just want to see who you are and just celebrate with you later. But would you simply raise your hand? I pray that prayer. And I ask Jesus to come in my life. If anybody like that in this room this morning, I pray that prayer. And I ask Jesus today to be a child of God. Anybody like that? Our God, we thank you for salvation. You won the victory. Help us deliver it out. So God, we ask you to bless the next few minutes as we baptize people, people that made decisions for Jesus. We celebrate in their lives the important decisions that they made. In Jesus' name, amen.